just finger gunned me right into the parking lot. I said, oh, okay. So this is how it's going to be. a solid backup. Chris has been shitting on Coco all, all year. God, this guy apologized. Look, I'm going to put him in double digit goals. He couldn't even get off the plane properly. He got hurt right, yeah. off, the, right yet, off the steps. But yet you're making love videos for Robbie Robinson. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the hair on their back. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 42 of the Battered Hair Ons podcast. I am your host, Daniel Granada, alongside Mr. KBD himself, Christian Duran. How are you doing, sir? I am doing great. Sundays are the best, right? I mean, Sundays are just are phenomenal. I love it. I, I, come on. Who doesn't love Sundays, right? Me. Sundays are the... Uh, well, you're, you're terrible. Sunday, that Sunday makes nights. A lot of sense. That makes I'm a, a Jets lot of fan sense. also. Well, and that, that makes a lot of sense, too, so... But yeah. Sundays are my favorite days of the week. So starting off the week on a Sunday with the battered hair on. So it's feeling good today. Well, we're coming at you Sunday because, well, we usually come Monday at 9 o'clock. But because Chris is rich and he's taking one of his, how many vacations do you take? Is it 12 a year? One per month? So it's, it's March this time. I don't know when you're taking in April. So we had to start a little earlier. So we're starting on Sunday. But luckily, we have a special guest with us. Uh, the critically acclaimed. No, I'm joking. I don't know if that's is that even a thing in journalism. I don't know. But we have <laughs> from the Hair on Outlet. We have Ian Hest. Thank you for joining us, sir. What's up, boys? How we doing? Here, living the dream, sir. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Critically acclaimed. I like. I like the word. I have lots of critics. I don't know how many of them acclaim me, but that, that's that's all right. <laughs> you don't have a lot of critics, man. Everybody loves Ian Hest. <laughs> It's like you and uh, and Alex Winley are like the dynamic duo. I know Austin joined in, but like you, you are like, like the dynamic duo. Like I've never heard anybody say anything bad about you guys. Oh well, that's nice. I, you haven't been around long enough, then I guess. This is this is true. This is true. <laughs> this is true. And we have Richard Greenberg. All right, the, obviously a Toronto FC fan, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh, I felt, oh, you were at the game, Richard. Oh, that that sounds horrible. Okay, well, I'm glad that you guys at least got the win because that would have sucked if you would have stayed in that cold and you would have gotten the loss. All right, so we're going to get into the game. But before we do, Ian, I had a very important question for you. On our last episode, we had Christian Duran bring up this weird analogy, which I had never heard before. And we were going back and forth as to, is this something that actually exists? Or did he make this up out of the ether? First of all, I feel like just... I feel like you're gonna butcher this whole thing. Okay. All right, so then I'll let you get, ask. You ask. Let's just ask, get, let's just get to the meat and potatoes here, Ian. In your experience in the sports, his world, expertise, his expertise, and your expertise. Okay. In in a game where it ends in a tie, there is a phrase, a saying, that is said. That when there is a tie, it is like kissing your sister. Have you ever heard of that saying? I'm gonna disappoint you, Daniel, because I have oh, heard that no. saying. I have heard that. Where's saying the before. tears? Where is the Americanized version of it? Yeah, but yeah, I've heard that before. Well, Chris told me that he heard it from some coach back in Navy in 1940-something. It doesn't even count. That was like pre-world war ii like who still speaks that way what? but that still exists to this day look nobody at this nobody says that yeah no but we, I, look i said we, we ian he, ian and alex those, that's like dynamic duo right there 
No, but I mean, it is a very Americanized version, right? The idea that it like, is. here in the United States, we don't do ties. Like, it's like yes. kissing your sister. Like, it's a very, very Americanized, like, machismo way of, of putting things out. For the record, I think that if we were talking about a tie and kissing your sister, it should be that you ended up with a draw because of an own goal, because you scored on yourself. Ooh. No, but all right, but no. Now here's the thing. That okay, would make Danny, more sense. The, pro- the problem is, is that in the soccer world, ties are like okay because you get a point off of a tie, right? But when it comes to like a football game or a basketball game, we're talking about ties are like ties. They they suck, right? So well, they do suck, that's- and that's why I think they should be eliminated. That's the American in me. But we're not gonna spend too much more time on the sister kissing stuff. Uh, Richard, By the way, I do want to mention something. I do want to mention one thing because I do see here that Steve Munoz says that I look skinnier, okay? And it's because I got rid of the beard, which Danny didn't want me to do, and I was like dying to do it. I do not look like a lesbian. You look like a lesbian, my friend, and you're kissing sisters. All right. Anyway. All right. So uh, back to yesterday's game. Toronto FC. We knew that it was going to be difficult more than anything because of the weather conditions. We know that the majority of our players are South American. Um, and we just, last year, we just historically are not good on the road. Like, that's just something we don't do. I think last year we scored it's like 12 or 13 goals away from home in 17 games, 18 if you want to count, which I don't like counting it because that means you're including two baseball fields. I want to just include one. So in 17 games, we scored 13 goals. I'll, uh, Ian, I'll start with you. Should we, should we be worried that we're continuing on the same track as last year as far as these road woes. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially given that you ended both games without a single goal. Um, you know, they, they had goal, they had shots on target in the sixth minute, the ninth minute, the 14th minute. After that, they didn't have a single shot on goal for the entire rest of the game. So that, that just screams offensive inefficiency. You still have not had Campana, and I know we're going to talk about him at some point, but... Um, you, so you really can't fully assess it until then. I would say, though, of course, you have to be concerned that the road performance has picked up where it left off last year. Uh, Phil has said this. I completely agree. If their performance was just merely on the road below average last year, they would have been a top four seed in the East, bar none. Um, I've said it, it's as easy as just getting 20 road points this year. If they can manage to get that, they will easily be a top four seed in the East. But that's a big ask, right? They, they haven't gotten anything yet. Chris, you predicted they were going to score three goals. Were you disappointed that we got shut out again? Well, yeah. I mean, of course. We're talking about a huge disappointment. I mean, the the biggest thing to me that was, this, that was just a complete disappointment was, and I mean, I guess we're going to get it to specific players, but like Stefanelli, man, I just, I don't see him playing the 10 very efficiently. I just don't see it. I he had a strike on goal in the beginning of the game. I mean, you were touting him during during the game, Danny. But like, no, no, I, I know. I said, I, I said the first half, and specifically the beginning of the game, right? The first 15, 20 minutes, he looked good. Like that's the best I had seen him all year long up until that point. And then he just went his usual cardio run himself. Like all he does is just run around like a maniac. Yeah, he gets in the, the work rate in, but. As far as effectiveness, you don't really see it. He doesn't really, to me at least, I, I don't think he 
impacts the game as much as a Bryce Duke, for example, when I say him running the 10. Well, so I, I wasn't he, outing him. He's the type of guy that I think will be better served by two strikers. Just simply because he's not really necessarily yes. a goal scoring threat. He he is the facilitator. Um even more so than Pozuelo was. Oh, and Stefanelli? So, Stefanelli, yeah. So I think that you saw that very early in the first half where he was getting forward. He was able to make those progressive passes, especially to Joseph to start, um, which tapered off. You're right. The 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 start of the first half and then later in the first half was good. The second half was poor from him. Um, and I think that that's sort of been the case, but that first half was the best half that we've seen from him. I'd be interested to see because it looked a lot better in preseason. When we saw him playing with Campana in preseason, it looked much better than this. So I I think that there still is room for improvement there. But right now, when Campana comes back, uh, you know, I think Austin said it on on our pod last week that that he's the obvious one that you remove right off the bat. But then it's... You know what's crazy to me is actually Coco has has to me looks like he's more improved. Like he actually is making way more of an impact than I even expected. But you know what I noticed about Coco is that he starts off as this as a as a as a striker up with 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 Joseph, but then at some point in the game he starts kind of straying off to the side. And it's like if he like defaults into this wing position. And I think that's where you see the difference between having him versus Campana. And that's where the play can go against Stefanelli. Whereas if Stefanelli had Campana and Joseph to play with, I think he'd be probably more effective. But for some reason, Coco Jean, he's like falling default into like the wing. And we already have a wing on that side. I, I think I think um, Coco is playing more or less the right flank, right? Because they're starting. Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, it was a, a four-two-three-one, basically the same as that we've been playing. Correct? Yeah, I mean they they call it a four-four-two diamond, but when Coco drops in, it's a four-two-three-one. But they can't yeah. do that now that Gregory's not there. So so yeah, yeah you can well, play and, with numbers how you want. Right. Well, well, because I think that Coco is playing that right flank, more or less right mid, right flank. And him and Harry Neville are building up on the right side. So I, I think that he is yeah. kind of playing like a right mid, right wing type position yeah. with Stefanelli in the middle. Um, and Stefanelli, like you, you you were saying that he's more of a facilitator. I remember I thought that I had read that he was a more aggressive 10, that he liked to try to look to score. And he had an opportunity yesterday early in the game. And he, uh, he basically missed the ball almost. We had two really good opportunities. There was another one by Pizarro. That it was, it was, it was, it really sucked to see how poorly he struck that ball because we had two really good chances. And if yeah. we convert on any of those two, I think the game might look a little different at that point. But yeah, um, let's, not, let, let's just okay. not confuse aggressiveness with, with goal scoring, right? He is a more aggressive style yeah. and he's, and he's even more aggressive defensively. He'll, he'll track back and foul a lot more than, than Pozuelo would. He, he is more of that, that, that pit bull style that's going to run all over the place and get to cover a lot of ground. So the aggressiveness is, is in a different factor. It's not necessarily in shot making and goal scoring. Well, he's definitely all over the place. Um, But somebody else that was all over the place, or or, I'm sorry, usually is all over the place uh, defensively and obviously was out was Gregory. Now, how much do you think that can attribute some of this loss to the absence of Gregory? So Phil is adamant that 
nothing you can attribute to it that, that they're going to okay. need to learn. I mean, they are going to need to learn to play without him. This is just the, the fact for the yeah. for foreseeable future for this season. Um, so regardless of whether or not it impacted them, you, you just have to throw that out the window because this is the team that you have for the rest of the way. And yeah. they, you know, this is the first iteration of that. I foresee it looking a lot different than it did in this game. They have a problem in in that number six area. They don't have a for however deep they are in midfield and attacking. They, they don't have a clear substitute for Gregory. Is it Uoa? I don't know. I mean, he came in for Harvey at right back. Like, where where is it? Robert Taylor. That was weird, right? Bryce Duke, right? So so they don't really have a natural way of of fixing this. And I think a lot of it is just going to be where does Jean Mota find himself. And how much is he willing to give up being that uh, intermediary that he was? And how much more committed is he going to be to be that first line of defense uh, like Gregory was? When I, when I was watching the game yesterday, I felt like they were over, almost overcompensating. Because usually when you had, Gre- you had Gregory and Mota both playing the, the, the deep midfield, right? The defensive midfield. But... Gregory would stay back, almost playing almost like a third center back, right? He'd come back and let all the guys kind of spread out a little further. And you would have Mota pushing up a lot further. And that's kind of the way it was the first three games. Yesterday, I felt like Mota was obviously staying back because he had to. But Bryce Duke was also. I felt like we had both of them not pushing up very much. And I felt like it was because maybe they were trying to overcompensate for what they were lacking with Gregory out. And I think that that might have affected us offensively a lot also because usually we have Mota pushing up. Last Yesterday, we didn't have either one of them really pushing up all that much. And I think that that was kind of a, a deficiency that we found ourselves with in the midfield because we didn't have that extra person helping attack up front. Yeah, I, I mean, that that's that's all – well, that's all mental, right? That That's all uh, – I, I need to cover for the guy that's mostly defensive. That That is strictly – uh, uh, not being familiar with you where you're supposed to be on the pitch. I think as more time goes on, Bryce definitely gets a little more comfortable there. And we were pressing a lot more the first three games of the season. Yesterday, I didn't feel like we were pressing all that much. We weren't pressing high. We were kind of letting them bring the game to us. Well, and I, and I have a question. I have a question for you, Ian. And and we're, we're going to get to Steve's question as well that he just threw up in the chat. But I, is it weird to me to see Duke pulling back so much in the game? Because that, to me, was a little weird. Like, I would have expected that John Mota would be doing that more than more than Duke, no? Well, yeah, and Mota, Mota has to do it. Bryce is going to be the, the secondary one doing that. But yeah. past that, who, I mean, would you rather Pizarro doing it? Would you rather Stefanelli be doing it? I mean, I, there, there isn't really another yeah. person. That's sort of what I'm getting at. There isn't that second option of anybody that you want to see coming back. And so do you go to a 4-1-4-1? That looks a little, you know, unbalanced with this team. There, there isn't really a quick fix for how to – he's really the one guy. It, it's so unfortunate because Gregory really is the one guy that you don't have a natural replacement for. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I figured that Uyoa would probably make the start, which is, I don't know. Maybe it's just too much to ask. But and not everybody is a big fan of Uyoa starting either. But like, he's the only one that I could see other than Mota that could, I guess, maybe haphazardly, you know, fill the fill the role. I don't know. 
Well, well, I mean, what do you want to do more than 20 minutes? You know, I mean, when yeah, was the last time that you I, that's no disrespect to him, he just hasn't played more than I, I honestly thought that there was a chance that we would go with five in the back, right? With the wing backs. I and I thought to, to make up for Gregory's loss, I thought that and we still might do that, right? We did that so often last year. I was I was expecting maybe to go back to that this year. And because we had that poor performance yesterday, maybe we'll consider going to that now. Um yeah, oh go ahead. That's what I was about to go to, Chris. Yeah, I was just going go to go to, to Steve's question here that he wanted to know what your thoughts are, Ian, on, on Sergei's you know, suggestion to sign his, his boy toy, Stepanenko, from Skadar. Shakhtar. From Shakhtar. Yeah. Um, the, so, first off, the, the money is, is, as Steve brings up, that the, the team, let's not forget, is in the last year of the sanctions – they are right up against the cap. Actually, they might get some relief with this Gregory injury, which could help out with that. Um, especially if you're talking a big, if, especially if you're talking a big name signing in the summer. Um, this Gregory injury actually would help facilitate that a little bit more. Um, without getting too much into the weeds, they're probably not in a position right now where they could make that happen. Uh, perhaps in in the summer, I could see it happening a little more. But uh, no, I don't yeah. think that that's on the horizon right now. So what do you think is going to happen with that sixth role then? Do you think it's going to just be Mota holding it down and Dutra figuring out how to stay back and push forward when he needs to? Yeah, I think you're stuck with it for now. Uh, I don't think that you have another option right now. I think that it, this, is, this is the hand that you're dealt and uh, this is the situation that you have. Um, and uh, you don't have a nat- – I mean, you might turn to Benjamin Kromeshi – um he's still he just turned 18 years old so that's a lot to ask for him to step in right away he's more of what Mota was with Gregory so you may Mm -hmm. think about putting him in that sort of role um but compared to the options you have I think you know naturally Robert Taylor makes a little more sense than Bryce Duke does in that role um but right now yeah I mean you don't have a natural fit to figure this out. It's going to be a lot of mix and match until you find the right recipe. That's why I Kramashi looked and, and Kramashi, he looked like he was all over the place at the end of the game. Like he was like very active, very aggressive, but like he was like off the chain aggressive. No. Yeah. I mean, he's a great player. He's a great player. I mean, he, he's yeah. going to have the decision on whether or not he wants to play for Argentina or the United States. So, um, like, there, there is the, – the future is bright for this kid. That being said, throwing yeah. him right into the fold like this simply out of necessity, I don't know if that's, like, the right way to go. So, we found out yesterday that Drake Callender is human. He did give up two <laughs> goals. Um, now, the first well, – I mean, both of them, it was almost impossible for him to get a hand on. But that second one, that header, at no point did I consider that that was going to go in. I don't think Drake yeah. – everybody kind of just watched it just land inside the goal. How do you feel about Drake so far this year? He's the goalkeeper of the year in MLS so far, um, hands okay. down. Uh, he leads MLS with 21 saves. He's third now, barely, um, in save percentages. He's got the highest um, stat that I count for for goalkeepers, which is post-shot XG plus minus. It's – Basically, how likely is the goal to go in and how much did the guy save it? He's he's a plus 3.3 through four games. That means that he should have allowed three and a third goals more than he's allowed based on oh, the wow. type of shots he's faced, um, which is an absurd number for four games. 
he's he's yeah he's been the best goalie in MLS. Um, he's saved this team from being worse than two and two this year. Uh, especially if you want to go back to the Montreal game, the, he had to stand on his head. Even Philly, he had to come up with four big saves in that game. So they signed him, they locked him down to a long-term deal early in the season. That looks like money well spent right now. Chris, I'm going to ask him the question. You ready? Oh God! Here we go. No, 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 no. You're gonna, you're gonna like this. You might think I'm crazy, but you're gonna like this. What you just said about Drake. If it's not for Drake and his save percentage. There's a good chance we have zero points on the year. Yeah. No? Yes. If we would have pulled out a draw in one of these road games and we beat Chicago five games into the season, would it be out of the realm of possibility to consider him an MVP candidate? You're never going to give an MVP in MLS is never going to go to a goalkeeper, especially with Tiago Almeida there. I mean, he's running away with this. Four games in, he's got four goals. But I want, but just candidate, candidate. I want him to be in consideration. I I mean, if if we're if we're counting candidate as top ten, then yeah. If we're counting candidate as top three, then no, no goalkeeper is ever going to get in there. Well, because I'm just thinking as far as at the time when I first said this, we were top of the East, and I said if he can keep playing the way he's playing for the next five or six games, once they start talking about early MVP candidates, I thought. You have to at least bring him up into the conversation. He'll probably never win it. Tony Mayola won it like in 2000, but that's about it. But I just want to, for what he's meant to the team so far, those two wins were on Drake Callender's gloves because he stopped some one-on-one shots that should have been in the back of the net. Oh, so, 100%, 100%. And, you know, there's 30 games left in the season. So let's let's just know there's a long way to go. But if the season ended today, Drake Callender is the goalkeeper of the year and he's MLS best 11. So a lot of people are still giving the whole Harry Neville, nepotism, all that other silly nonsense, right? Can we put that to bed now after watching him perform yesterday? Can you put it to bed completely? No, I don't think that I don't think it's ever going away. Um, it was his don't first you think start. It's silly? I think it's silly. I think it's unfair. I think it's very unfair. Um I think if he did that performance playing for any other team in MLS, nobody is talking about a poor performance from him. Um, or I mean, if you switch the name of the back of the jersey and all of a sudden it says Noah Allen instead of Harvey Neville, everybody yeah. says, well, that was a good game. He's got yeah, a lot I, of room to grow, but we're, we, we feel enthusiastic about him. Yeah, I gave it a B. I thought that, it's, I thought that it was okay. The, that first goal was not his fault. I know it looks like it because of the positioning, where he times that run at the end. It's not his fault. The the center back's got two pinched far to the left. He's he's the the cover on that. He's trailing, um, right? Huh? Right. So um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in his bag. He what he about had that three second inter- one. He, the the second one okay, but I don't think that anybody really like you said just a second ago. I don't think anybody really expected that header at that angle. Um, I agree, but that but that replay looks so poor. He's just standing there, just staring at it, while just bouncing. Front right, of him. that's where the huge room for growth needs to come, and where I haven't seen it come from him at all is that his one v one defending is is really it needs to improve a lot. He's not aggressive in in trying to win tackles. Um, he, he gets taken on one v one way too easily, too often. He's very good in passing lanes. That is where his bread and butter is. His bread and butter is also getting forward, almost too forward uh, against Toronto. He was a little too high and and occupied similar spaces to Coco a lot. 
Uh, we saw that as an issue, though, with DeAndre last year with Robert Taylor early on in the year w- before they started to figure it out. Um, so I, I don't think that that's something that that is too much of a cause for concern. I do wish to see him be a little more aggressive. He needs to put on some weight and get a little more physical, uh, especially to compete in this league. But nothing that I saw from the game yesterday would scream that he will not be a quality right back, especially in the role that he's currently being asked for in this club. What did you think of well, Harry you know, I know you're a Noah Allen fan. Chris? Well, I thought that he actually filled in a lot better. I thought he filled in a lot better than I anticipated, and he was a lot more aggressive bringing the ball up the field. Uh, that's something that was pretty cool to, to, to see him do during the game. Look, he had great footwork. He was beating defenders one-on-one, and they, they were basically pulling him back when he would get in by them. Him and Coco were building the offense those, that first 25, 30 minutes that we looked halfway decent. It was all coming on down the right flank with Harry and Coco building up out of there. And and let's not forget, too, is that it, his 1v1s that, I, that I'm criticizing him for is going head-to-head against Jonathan Azorio, who's a, who's a designated player in the league. For his first MLS start to be going 1v1 against a designated player, I mean, that has one of the – I think he might have the most caps ever for Toronto. He's going up against an experienced professional – um, and so I thought that he held his own fine. I don't, I don't really understand the criticism other than people who just don't son. like the fact that he's Neville's son. Cause you, you know, you don't hear that stuff from, from Josh and Owen Wolf. You don't hear that stuff from Michael and Bob Bradley. We're, we're picking this specific case and I don't really understand why. Um, I, I, I couldn't speak to the other ones cause I'm not too familiar with, I, I don't, I think that people in Toronto think that Bob Bradley keeps his job because of Michael Bradley. Because oh, and Michael Bob Bradley, Bradley is was... also the also the technical director of Toronto too. So Bob Bradley <laughs> controls transfers Everything. as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like like uh, Richard Greenberg said, nepotism all over the place. So uh, we are now four games into the season. I was talking to Chris a couple episodes ago, and I told him. Yes, we scored four goals. We had a four positive four-goal differential. But I thought that they were all goals that didn't necessarily impress me, right? You know, uh, Christoph made love to the ball to get it in. Uh, Borgelin, he scored, but it took him. It took Lasseter and then Borgelin two shots to get that one goal in. Then we had uh, – what am I forgetting, Chris? We had um, – Coco. Coco. Oh, yeah, the two strikes from outside the box. That's right. It, there was no build-up to the plays. They just – had an open shot. They took it from outside the box. Beautiful goals. Robert Taylor. They were good strikes, goal. though. They were. They were beautiful. But it was an open opportunity that just presented itself. They took it and they scored. But I didn't feel like they built up anything in the final third. And they still haven't scored a goal by building up a, a, an opportunity in the final third. So I'm hoping that if Campana comes back, that that changes when you have Campana and Joseph up there. Maybe you open up more spaces for Joseph to run in behind. But at, at this point, I feel like the, the offense looks really bad. Am I overreacting by how bad I think the offense looks? I, I, would you – I like, this is a little bit of an extreme, so don't hold it to the exact analogy that I'm about to make. But you wouldn't judge the Lakers' offense without LeBron or you wouldn't judge, you know, the Mavs' offense without Luka, right? Like, Campana is the high-played offensive player in this team. He is supposed to be the best player. He's the one that they've invested long-term in. Uh, he's supposed to be the talisman, the goal scorer, et cetera. So you're, you're judging it without the best offensive player. 
um, and, and who is supposed to lead the team in goals. Joseph, you'd like to see more from Joseph. He hasn't had a game where he's had more than 25 touches so far, uh, which is, you know, a bit alarming. Um, you'd right. like to get him more than one shot on goal per game, which he hasn't had yet. So he, he needs to get more involved, but I can't judge this offense without its best player. So you simply haven't seen it yet. I feel like if we had to pick between a DP, I might have kept Pozuelo over Campana if I would have known that I would have had to pick one of them. Long-term? I mean, three years from now, you're going to still agree Long, with that? But if Campana is, plays his ass off the next two years, you probably won't have him that third year anyway because he's going to get sold. I feel uh, like for this for this season, if I would have known at the time that we gave Campana that contract, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. But I didn't know that we were going to, and I have, I have no say, but I'm just saying, we didn't know that Joseph was going to sign with us back when Campana got this contract, right? So, or when, when it was, it was agreed upon, right? It wasn't official until much later, but if we knew that we we're going to have Joseph and we needed a tent to feed him the ball, look, how did this team look before Pozuelo got there with Higuain up front? It, it looked horrible. Pozuelo was the one that changed the offense around last year. We were building up the wings last year. Once Pozuelo got there, all of a sudden we felt comfortable building up the middle. I feel like this year we're missing that 10, and that 10 is looming large because we can't get Joseph any touches. And if Campana comes back, like I know he had success before Pozuelo showed up, so that's what I'm hoping for. We still see. But to me, I feel like what Pozuelo brought was more important than what Campana might give us. And I Especially with his uh, with his injury history. So, um, I, again, maybe I, I'm overthinking. Well, so, well jo- Joseph isn't great as a as a lone striker up top when he's the only one up there. That and, and so I think that that's committing to a lot of his struggles right now because he doesn't have okay. someone to play off of. Joseph is a lot better when he has a, a, a especially a more primary target than him. That's why he fell out of favor in Atlanta was because he no longer could just be that only guy up top. So I think what his company gets in there, you'll see. But different. I feel like his his best season was with Almiron was there behind him. Right. But that was, I and, mean, he, he was four years younger than this. Yeah, so, no, of course, of course. And yeah, pre, no, pre-injury, pre-injury yeah. and everything. But I felt like having that guy behind him would really help. Chris, am I being too hard on, on, uh, on the offense? Well, I actually agree with you on the Pozuelo point. I actually think that short-term... I mean, I guess short term, yeah, right? Short term, I'm talking you, for sure. Long term, you want Campana. Yeah. I mean, but you, you know what you're thinking about? You're thinking about like, oh, I'm going to get Messi like in three years anyway or whatever. Like, so you're thinking, let me get Pozuelo, right? Hold on to the midfield for, for a couple years. Because like you said, if Campana does good in, in the next couple years, by the third year comes around, he's gone anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I actually agree with that. I actually agree with that take, surprisingly. Surprisingly, because Chris never agrees with me. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, but, so I guess, I mean, we, we just talked about Joseph, but w- what do you think it's going to take to get Joseph unlocked? You think you think that's what we're missing, Campana, to be on the field with him? Yeah, I, I think that's the easiest, uh, easiest thing in the world. I mean, they were getting along really well before this injury. We still, I mean, I've been trying for a while to figure out what happened because it was like 48 hours before the start of the season, and all of a sudden he has this calf strain that is just very inexplicable. So um, I, I think that, that yeah, Joseph would do him a lot of good for Kapana, and Kapana does Joseph a lot of good. Um, the other thing, too, is 
we haven't seen a lot of the guys behind those two, and they have a plethora of guys back there. And you're you're still talking about Jake LaCava, who I would expect by midseason, don't be surprised if he's getting League's Cup minutes or U.S. Open Cups minutes. Um, Ariel Lasseter has looked like the perfect super sub for this team um, that, that I think really could do well. So in in totality, as we're talking about all of them, I think that Joseph is is primed to be sort of that eight goal, eight assist guy instead of that 15 goal, two assist guy. That hurts. Okay. You're not paying. <laughs> Atlanta's taking half his salary, so be happy with that. No, no. Yeah, no. Luckily, yeah. Luckily, we're not paying him DP money, but I was really hoping that he would uh, get back to form. Now, one positive is that now there's been two games in a row that he's played 90 minutes, mm-hmm. right? The first, and I think that that, it, that bodes well because we know that his stamina's picking up. Maybe he's closer to being fit. He just needs more touches because, like you said, he hasn't got more than 20. He was, you said 25 touches in a game yet? And I felt like he's doing the Iguain now, where Iguain would track back and try to find the ball in the midfield. He's like, I'm not getting the ball. I'm going to go look for it. And he's been tracking back far to get the ball because he's not getting touches in that final third. Which, you know, oh, I, I didn't know you were saying, yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, don't forget, jo- Joseph's going to give you one of these FU games against one of the teams that, that you're gonna really love. I, it's probably gonna be your Atlantas or your Charlottes or your or your Orlando's. He's gonna Orlando, give you yeah. one of the right, like, he's gonna give you those games where he's just like you know, double birds flip into the world. And <laughs> and that's going to just, it's coming. So just, yeah. you know, he's going to give you one or two of them. Uh, the other games, you're going to have to fit in little goals here and there to make you feel like it's worth it. That's always been his career. You know, he, he's loved, he's one of the highest hat tricks in MLS, right? That, that he loves getting just on a roll and on a rhythm. He's a very momentum-based player. And so I think as you've seen to start the year, him try to get back rolling. Let's not forget, he barely played towards the end of last year. So this is really a a remake of him in entirety to get back to where he was in July and June of last year. I felt like Joseph looked a lot better against NYCFC than he did yesterday. Do you think it was because of the compact field? Or why do you think he looked so much better the week before in Yankee Stadium and not so much against Toronto? Uh, Matt Hedges has a lot to do with it. Um, I, I think that the 4-2-3-1 that Toronto plays is primed to take a guy, if, especially a guy like Joseph, if he's a lone striker, out of it. Um, it. Especially against NYCFC, it's a lot easier to break that down in a smaller space. He can run off ball and, and find, uh, kind of be ignored for a little bit. Um, so I, th- yeah. I think there's a multi- multitude of reasons. Um, I, I would expect Chicago to be a lot better and more enjoyable for him uh, simply because he can find pockets against the team that doesn't really play that well together and he'll find little uh, little areas to go. You know what's you know what I did like though and you mentioned this Ian is that uh, when Campana does come back, I feel like we are gonna see a completely more evolved and different Joseph. Because one thing that really turned me in terms of what what to expect from Joseph in a positive way was that video that you guys put out where it, w- it was showing the play between uh, Joseph and Campana. And, and that kind of play that I saw, I was like, wow, 
if that's the future of things to come, and if these guys stay healthy, it's gonna be crazy. That's Which a big the hit. drone video. Yeah, the freaking drone. This uh, uh, the Heron outlet. I, it was you guys that put that video up, no? No, it wasn't us. I, I forget. It was Campana did. himself. It was Campana yeah, himself. Was Campana. Yeah. So Campana rented out a drone from the airport next to the stadium and basically flew it over his own highlight play and you know what's funny you know how many times he had to have been recording all those practice videos to finally get that one <laughs> shot that he wanted to show off because you know he had a drone in every one of those close games he finally got one. it got one gotta put it up luckily the airport's close by <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so before we get on to, to talking about the, the next 11 and next week's game, everybody, you know, is up in arms about the whole road woes and you're still losing on the road and the same crap as always, blah, blah, blah. Understandable. We would have been a better road team last week, even just slightly. We would have probably had a home game last year. Now, I try to be an optimist as much as possible. I'm battered, but I try to be optimistic regardless. Should I try to find some solace in the fact that Although we lost these last two road games, one was on a soccer pitch, which is very difficult to win on, right? Because we're just it's just a crazy home field advantage. When NYCFC plays there 17 times a year and they're accustomed to playing that style of soccer in a com compact field. So we're at a disadvantage. We lost. Okay, that's fine. And then we go on to Toronto and we're playing in frigid weather where the wind chill has it at like negative five degrees or whatnot. Like, should I find a little bit of solace in the fact that we didn't just lose a regular 70-degree, regular regulation field, just got our ass kicked just because kind of game? Like, should yeah. we find some solace in that? Yeah, of course. I mean, like, okay. and th this is why this team wants to play a home playoff game. It's because who doesn't want to play in Miami or, you know, who doesn't want to play in South Florida? Like, I mean, everybody yeah. wants to be down here. This team has a natural home field advantage. Team always plays better here. They always play better with, you know, La Familia doing what they do. They don't like, I mean, nobody plays well on the road in MLS, but this team particularly doesn't like it. They like their, you know, Latin culture and and feeling at home and, and you know, not wanting to, to have to deal with wearing a coat or playing on a baseball field. Right. So I think the only one that wants to play in long sleeves is Bryce Duke. Jason Christ on the sideline looked like he was about to freeze. He had a big beanie that was down to here. He had the coat up with, with the hoodie to here. And you could only see about this much of him, and it was, like, pure red. And I know, like, my Jewish complexion makes me always naturally red. But like, <laughs> like, he looked like a popsicle in that. Like, he just looked completely miserable. <laughs> but you know what's weird about that is that he coached for Real Salt Lake. I think yeah. he might have even won the cup with him. And then he coached for NYCFC, so he should have been accustomed. Like, and if your anything, blood I thought, out when you hang out down here. You're right. You're right. And when you're right, you're right. I, I can't handle the cold anymore either, Ian. You're right. All right. So <laughs> going into next week, uh, I know that everybody says uh, if it ain't broke, don't break it. But I think it's broken. So time to Ooh, start looking at a different 11, I think. What do you think, if any, if you think there are going to be any, I think there has to be. Are there going to be any changes to the starting 11? Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, Campana's got to be closer back than. I think he'll be back. About. I don't know if he can start. That that would be my concern. Okay. Um, okay. So so assuming that he can't, 
I probably am dropping Stefanelli. I'm bringing Duke to where Stefanelli is at the 10, and I'm putting Robert Taylor as the other one on the side. And, and let's That's not forget, right. Yedlin, Yedlin was out because of the birth of his second son. Um, and so being a home game, you know, obviously congratulations to him. Um, sure. and, and very excited for that. Uh, but presumably he'd be back on the right flank as well. I, I agree. I've been calling Stephanelli... for Robert Taylor and Duke. Go ahead. Doesn't Stefanelli play like a center forward position anyway, right? Yeah, like, so you feel like gonna... Coco is that second, that, like Coco is that false nine? Is kind of what you're yeah. doing there? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see that. So coming up next week, though, we have Joseph that's going to be with the Venezuelan team. Robert Taylor is going to be with Finland, I believe. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you don't, you're right. So you don't have Joseph for this weekend. You don't have. And we Taylor don't have Robert Taylor. Team. Right. So you don't have either so... for this weekend. And, and Yedlin's still going to be playing, I, I would hope, because he didn't get called up for the USA right. team. So, so, yeah, so up top, you're probably looking at Lasseter. Lasseter's probably going to take it up top. Ooh, that's your boy, Danny. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Give me Lasseter. I love that guy. He's going to so he's going to bang one. He's going to bang probably one. Probably more traditional. He's going to bang a defender's head for sure. <laughs> How many times has he done that? I've never seen somebody do that as often as Lasseter. You know, the flash is just too quick for you, man. <laughs> Listen, he's he's a little, but he's a little, he's really fast. So he's, a he's game gonna changer get to where he sure. wants to get to for sure. But he's not finishing. He's like an Emerson. That's what he is. He's an Emerson. He's a better he's Emerson. A little, yeah, 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 yeah. And Emerson's my favorite player, so I'll take that. I know it's sick. I know. <laughs> Ian, do you have any idea how Emerson's doing out in was a? Where where is oh he ended up in Mexico? Yeah, he's in San, yeah, he's in uh, he's in Mexico at Santos. He he's getting on. He's a like a super sub, kind of very similar to Ariel Lasseter for Inter Miami right now. So he's getting on he's like normally 72nd, 75th minute. Um hasn't scored yet, but it's playing well. You can get the games on ESPN plus if you, you can see him play. Liga MX, uh, MX or whatever. MX, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm good. All right. Um <laughs> so we uh we said Campana. I, I, since we found out that his, he had a calf injury, I, I always said that there's no chance that they're bringing him on on the road. I thought that he would come back at home. I always thought that this Chicago game would be the perfect time to bring him back. About a month of rehab at home, right? Because you're not going to bring him back to start in negative five degree wind chill. You're going to bring him back to start at home. Maybe you're right. Maybe he doesn't start, but I do think that he gets on. Right, he he took a picture of himself in the in the training facility. I think he's he's prepping to get to get back. Maybe you're right. Maybe he does come as a, as a sub, but I think he'll be back. And I, I really hope he makes a difference because if he comes on and he makes a difference, whether it be a goal or assist or just has an impact to the game, I think that changes the way we feel about this offense immediately. Because like you said, missing our most important player, it it'll bring a lot more peace to us if he comes back. And immediately makes an impact. The the fear is is the is when you bring him back, right? Because let's not forget last year we thought he was coming back. He did come back. He scored that near midfield goal against Orlando in the playoff clinching game. And then 10 minutes later went down with a hamstring injury and was done for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. the, the question there is, you know, making sure that he's coming back to the long term and is ready to play. That being said, I mean, I gotta be honest, guys, Chicago's a bit of a disaster. So they're the only team left in the East that doesn't have a win right now. Miami has to look to the, – the, 
this is one of those games where when you're having your next episode next week, if things are not going well on Saturday, like There's I concern. understand, I understand the fear. And if things are the like a three nothing hammering, okay, like everybody calm down because this Chicago right. team is is set for dead last. Well, I yeah, mean, I mean, that. just that city as a whole, the the kind of hot dogs that they eat, they're just terrible. <laughs> I mean, just the condiments they that this- they throw on there. You know, at, the, at every single corner I go to, I'm I'm banned from using ketchup. So, like, that alone, oh, just yeah, get out right. of here, Chicago. That. Yeah. Or that man. lasagna so, that they call pizza. Yeah. yeah what what hey, is hey, that? No, but that, that? It's not that bad. I, no, I don't, don't, no, 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 no. Don't do that, Chris. Don't do that. No. We're not I'm giving not them saying any it's credit. great. We're not I'm giving them any credit. Uh-uh. Bad. It's lasagna. All right. So, uh, I guess we're coming to an end here. Uh Chris will not be with me on Wednesday when we preview the Chicago game. So we usually have our guests predict next week's game. I, I guess Chris can jump on and give his prediction also. But we'll start with with the, the critically acclaimed Ian Hest. <laughs> now, I think uh, you basically told us already, but what do you think is going to be the outcome on Saturday against the Chicago Fire? This, this has to be a beatdown. I mean, it just has to be. Um, Chicago will struggle to get 30 points this year. So um, I, I think that this is, especially with Miami at home, this absolutely needs to be at least 2-0. Um, you, you want the shutout. You want the clean sheet, especially that you haven't given up a goal at home all year so far. So you want to keep that record intact. You've, score, you've scored multiple goals in both home games. You have to continue that against probably the – I mean, Chicago and Charlotte are battling for the worst team in the East. So I, I, I got crap because I said that all those four – Maybe not all four, but the majority of our goals at home were luck. I don't think they were luck. I mean, Robert Taylor is going to be goal of the year. You'd think that's well. That's luck. why I said that's that's why I took it back. Maybe okay. not the Robert <laughs> Taylor, skill. but 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 that that Coco one, for example, Bosuelo got an assist on on that. I'm not yeah. Bosuelo. Pizarro um, <laughs> got an assist. Pizarro <laughs> got an assist on that. He lost all the, the way ball. from Turkey. You ready for this too? Gregory got an assist on the Kristoff goal too because it grazed like like Ronaldo style grazed a bit of his hair. <laughs> his hair. And so it, it, we're just giving out assists to people that are just at the right place at the right time, I guess. Because that Pozuelo was not an assist. I'm sorry, he lost the ball. Coco picked it up and just and just gave a missile to the to the far post. Gregory, I wasn't even aware that that was an assist. Yeah, so, Greg, and Lasseter should get an assist for hitting the post. Lasseter should have gotten it on uh, on uh, on uh, Schneider's on goal board too. Team. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe not luck per se. I mean, it's soccer. You you get whatever you get, and that's just what it is. But I feel like they haven't built anything up. There's nothing that I, I see, and I'm like, okay, we're looking good. That was a beautiful play with the way we built it up. Like, I want to see like that drone video that Campana put up. That build up right there. I'd like to see one of those. Give me one of those. So yeah, that's that's nice. the that's the battered way of looking at things, though, right? Because we're the, the battered hair on Ian. The, the optimistic way of looking at it is you're <laughs> you're banging in the opportunities that you have. You're scoring on the opportunities that you have. Uh, so you know you might only get five opportunities, but you're getting four goals from it, as opposed to you know having eighteen chances and only scoring four from them. I get you. I get you. Well, if I can just add to the. If I could just add to the prediction, Danny. So we're going to go, at least on my end, I think that it is going to be a beatdown, too. I think Inter-Miami is going to win 4-0. to zero. I'm going wow. big. Ooh. I'm going big, guys. Wow. Yeah, 4-0. Yeah. 
And uh, look, Chicago, they got rid of my boy Duran, right? Mm-hmm. So that's already salty with me because that's the greatest last name of all time. And I'm not saying it because that's my last name. I'm just saying that. A ton because. of money for him. And <laughs> yeah, Gaga also. And yeah. And on top of that, they eat terrible hot dogs. Like they do all kinds of nonsense with their stupid hot dogs, like they always do. I mean, and and they think they're cool. You know what I hate about Chicago and their hot dogs? And I'm just gonna go on a tangent here. Okay. I hate the fact that they think that they're so cool, like, oh, we gotta be so different. Let's throw big ass peppers on the hot dog. Like, what are you doing, guys? What are you doing? So um, that's my take. I can't I can't express to you enough, Chris, how disappointed I am. That you're not going to be on here when we preview with the Chicago Listen, podcast it kills me. on Wednesday. It kills me. Because I would love to have you here when we have that Chicago person on here just going back and forth about their stupid hot dogs. I bet you I that can't. they don't even eat their stupid hot dogs. <laughs> and you're not allowed to put ketchup on it, Ian, just in case you ever find yourself in Chicago. Uh, good to know. Thank you, Chris. There you go. You will literally right, be arrested if you get caught with ketchup in your hands. Chris, are you, are you going to close it out with your your uh, your your question, or are we, we closing it out? No, we're we're doing it with Ian. All right, okay. we're doing right. it with yeah. Ian because Ian <laughs> Ian, I'm I'm we're having fun here end, with Ian. Ian. We're having we're having fun here. Ian, you've been a wonderful, a UM game, my friend. Chris, uh-huh. And and so we're gonna go. Let's do this this toast and uh, uh-huh. and steak here. You got to pick right. one of the five of the of the steaks and one of the six of the toast. Where are we going with this one? I'm um, I'm two on the steak. That's for sure. Um, that that's very easy for me. I'm somewhere okay, between okay. a three and a four on the toast. All right, all right, okay. all right. We, we, Ian, you are a a honorary battered hair on now. I, I appreciate right. your choices. We 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 applaud you because we had somebody on here. I, he actually came by for a second and then he left. We had somebody yes, here he last did. week that just he chose six for the toast, and I just Ooh. I don't I don't I don't even know what to say anymore. Like just we turned just, to ash in your mouth. That's like you know. You know I, that's basically. We literally just stopped the episode right there. We said, "Okay, we're done. We we just got to go." All right, but with all seriousness, thank you very much, Ian, for taking taking time to join us on this random Sunday episode. We'll be back on. Well, I'll be back on Wednesday previewing the Chicago game on on Wednesday. I don't know what I just said there. On Wednesday at nine o'clock, while Chris is on vacation, um, I don't know, living his rich life. I wish I could be Chris one day. Uh, I'm on vacation Ian, like my internet halfway through the show. Uh, Ian, where can the people find you in case anybody, even though I doubt it, that hasn't listened to you guys yet can catch you? Thank you. Yeah, uh, you see it on the screen at Ian Hess. That's mine, but we're at the Heron Outlet uh, on basically every channel that you can find, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, all that stuff. And we got the Substack. If you want to read some of our stuff as well, we do the match previews, the match recaps, and a lot of fun analysis. Got a fun thing coming up with Cole Jensen this week, uh, the brand new draft pick from Inter Miami. I sat down with him last week um, and have a fun little article about his getting to know Miami. He's uh, he's an Iowa boy originally, so his uh, his introduction to South Florida. <laughs> We'll, we'll Hopefully up, uh, he stayed away from South Beach this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> he just got an apartment in Las Olas, so he's got to figure that out. Oh, okay. too. <laughs> there you go. Las Olas. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Ian, what's your preferred uh, – he might – you know, Chris, I think Ian might not answer this honestly. Uh-oh. Should I – what's your favorite team to cover? Of of the Miami teams? Or like – Yeah, I mean – no. well, I mean, yeah, I, I love figured Miami teams, but – 
I love covering Inter Miami. Like that, that's the easy answer. I'm around them the most. Uh, I, you're a liar. No, but that no, I love covering Inter Miami. Inter Miami makes it super easy compared to some teams in, in the area. No, so well, the, the the aspect of easy for sure. That's why so many fan base so the fan base is like, oh, I don't want Messi. All of a sudden, they're gonna have security around the players. Uh, cool. You deal with that with everything, though. NCAA tournament's going on right now. When it, the NCAA tournament down here, it's miserable, too. You go to the World Baseball Classic, there's security everywhere. So I don't think that there's anything, like, more or less. So, someone said the Heat. Like, yeah, I love going to Heat games. Who doesn't love going to Heat games? My seat is a lot worse at Heat games than it is for anywhere else. But I'm all the way up above the nosebleeds for Heat games. <laughs> What do you mean you're? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Are. They put you in 400, or or you can be behind the basket. You basically have like one or the other. But yeah, behind the basket, Ian. What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. But you, but those go to like your, you know, Ethan and and Barry and all them. They they get those. I, I get the 400s. Come on, we gotta live. We gotta live amongst the people, guys. Come on. Yes. Uh, I, yes. Look, uh, well, you know what? We don't sit with the supporter section, even though we we considered it. But I like to sit. Ah, so okay. I sit. We sit with the people in the what are we? South Stand. In the South Stand, yeah, yeah. We, we but we've we, we've stand. dabbled. We've, we've dabbled a little in the North Stand. We've 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 gone there a couple you, games. You, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the road stands trans- are over there by you too. Yes, they used to be. They used to be very close to us, but now they're towards the west side right. of us. Uh, they used to be towards the east, but now they're towards the west. So. My favorite Inter Miami game ever since I've been going to Drive Pink Stadium. I've been going since, you know, since they allowed us to get into the stadium. The first game Orlando came down here. I was in section 123 and the opposing fans were in section 122. And it was purple from top to bottom. And my seat was in the aisle right next to them. Man, was that a fun game. We scored first. Oh, that was amazing. I, I haven't had a euphoric experience like that in that stadium since then. Obviously, we ended up losing 2-1. to one, But, man, just for those, like, four or five minutes that we had the lead, it was awesome. I was going to say, that was, a, that was a rough game. That ended as a yes. rough game. I would have yes, thought you would have picked the one at the end of last year. <laughs> no, 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 man. It was so fun no, having that many opposing. Like that. They didn't show out like that. Yeah, because having, having those opposing fans right next to you is fun, man. I mean, you know, some of them wanted to be stupid. But for the most part, it's fun. It's fun. I, I enjoy yeah. it. I love that. Did stuff. you go to the but road that- Orlando? Did either of you go to the road Orlando game last year? The one that had the last hour year. long, long rain delay? That was I was crazy. I was near there. I was I was at Legoland, but no, oh, I didn't go. <laughs> much better place to be. I don't know who would pick, you know, an Inter-Miami game over Legoland. Every day of the league, I'm going what, to Legoland. Do, do we need to go over what we talked about before we got on live, Ian, about his tattoos and whatnot? Oh, I know, I know. But is it Legoland Chris, isn't even Chris, in Orlando? Legoland's on like some alley road, like in between Orlando is. and Daytona, isn't it? No, I've, I've never been to Legoland. It is. I don't it's know. somewhere like in the outskirts, like in a in an alleyway. I think I think they don't let you into Legoland unless you have a kid with you. Like you have to have kids yeah. with you to get into Legoland. <laughs> Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have kids, so like I've never been, right? So <laughs> I'm not gonna be some creepy guy showing up to Lego. You're Legoland. not gonna, see, you're not gonna see Ian Hess show up to Peppa Pig Park. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, 
thank you everyone for listening to episode number 42. Thank you, Ian, again from the Heron Outlet for joining us. We appreciate your time. Chris, anything else for the people? Until Wednesday, make sure you get on and catch us, the Batter Herons. I'm hoping I could still <laughs> look at Lucas. Rumors they like Chris and without a kid. Hey, don't tell anybody, Lucas. Uh, make sure that you guys come back and watch the show on Wednesday. I'm going to try to see if I can get on. We'll see if the connection on the ship is try better to... than the connection in my own damn house. Let me tell you something. That would be a sweet background if you can get on there somehow with the ocean in the background. I say you yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys again. Episode number 42. And everybody's going to tune out now and watch the UM game. So good luck to the U. And we'll catch you guys on Wednesday.